Hello again, everybody. Welcome to episode five of the Smartest Guy I Know podcast, a weekly podcast focused on the obscure, the inane, and the oddly charming in our world news today. I'm your host, Dan King. As always, I am joined by my roommate, my good friend, my social media manager, who I have to have a word with in a little bit, uh, Carlos. Carlos, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I hope everyone's following us on Twitter, smart guy I know, and enjoying my tweets. Yeah, we got to talk about that. Uh, and I'm also joined this week over the phone by our guest, who we're going to get to in an interview a little bit later. Uh, still Weaven, still, how you doing today from up there in, uh, you said you're in Long Island today, not Brooklyn. Yeah, I live in Brooklyn, uh, visiting uh, Long Island, visiting the, the folks this weekend. Uh, but yeah, doing, doing good, doing good. Good stuff, good stuff right there. We'll get to him in just a bit. A little bit of a, we'll have a little bit of a music act on the uh, on the show today. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, as always, uh, if you've listened to the earlier episodes, thank you already for your support. Uh, if you are looking for more ways to support us, you can always find us on Facebook. That's the smartest guy I know podcast. Like and share, like and share, like and share. Uh, you, as Carlos mentioned, you can find us on Twitter. At Smart Guy I Know is the handle there. Carlos has been sending out a lot of tweets that I'm not so happy about because uh, he's trying to make me out to be a Notre Dame football fan, which I'm not, um, amongst other things that I don't know that I necessarily agree with. Um, so get back on point, please, and you know, don't tweet things without asking, like I'm your mother. <laughs> I, I will state for the record that any tweet that comes from at Smart Guy I know is not the view of necessarily our host, but my deranged mind, so... Yeah, deranged is a good way to describe it, too. <laughs> um, and as always, uh, you can like, subscribe on iTunes. That link is on our Facebook page. We'll send it out with everything this week as well. Um, so thank you for your continued support. Uh, some programming notes. We've got, we've got a few, the next few weeks kind of plotted out here ahead. Um, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I failed to mention it last week. Our special video episode, Carlos Eats, is coming up next Saturday. It might not get posted on Saturday just because we're probably going to have to do some video editing. Um, we're trying to figure out, too, if we want to do Facebook Live or YouTube um, and just post the recording. Um, so we're working through that right now. But um, if you're looking forward to seeing our dear friend Carlos here uh, absolutely gorge himself to the point of sickness with, uh, with an obscene amount of uh, uncooked fish, a.k.a. sushi, uh, that will be for you. Um, next week's episode, uh, we are going to probably have an interview with, for the uh, for the big game, the Super Bowl preview. Uh, working w working right now to just kind of finalize and hammer out a guest for that. I've got a couple of people that uh, I've reached out to and have shown interest. It's just a matter of uh, getting schedules right for as uh, far as actually getting an interview squeezed in. Uh, the following week, that would be the weekend of the 11th and 12th, we're doing a special Valentine's Day episode, and this one should be fun. We're going to get a panel of people together, talk about good and bad dating experiences. We'll have a couple of recently engaged couples talk about their story, um, as well as we're looking for listener submissions, you know, bad dating experiences, good dating experiences, bad good or bad things that have happened on Valentine's Day to you. Uh, we'll take them all. You can send them to us on, you can put them on Facebook. You can send them to us on Twitter. If you're not comfortable putting them all on Twitter, uh, you know, you can drop them in the DMs. I think that's what the kids are saying this day. Um, you know, anyway, you can find us. Uh, you can email us too. We've got our email address. Uh, that email address is smart at gmail.com. That's smart at gmail.com. I don't know why I keep plugging that. Um, and then 
the week after that, President's Day weekend, uh, we're taking the show on the road. We are going to be taking our show down to South Beach, Miami. We'll be down there. We'll be bringing you some highlights from the weekend down there. Um, so all that being said, that was a lot of administrative notes. Apologize for the, uh, for the extended opening. We're going to go ahead and dive right into our first segment. It's called Footnotes. These are five stories that, from the world news that you may have missed uh, from this past week. Um, and unfortunately, if you were, you know, I'm breaking my rules a little bit this week. Um, unfortunately, the gift that keeps on giving has been the Trump White House, and it's unavoidable. I just, I, I, we're, the ending segment's going to be uh, a, a little bit more serious comments on, on some of the recent stuff that's gone down. Um, but, you know, there's a, a, just so many stories here. I mean, if I'm a Saturday Night Live writer, I am just giggling every time I see a news story because I'm just like, yes, another, another, uh, another skit that I get to write and I don't even really have to think about it that hard. Uh, I mean, this, the, the stuff's writing itself. Um, so we, we, we start out in the White House um, and Press Secretary Sean Spicer. Uh, he was in the news this week, not, you know, for, for several reasons, obviously, uh, the arguments over alternative facts and whether or not the inauguration crowd size versus the March crowd size. Uh, not talking about that here. We are talking about um, people. The Internet's an amazing place because it keeps everything that you've ever written. And uh, Sean Spicer's personal Twitter account, at Sean Spicer, um, he's got a real big vendetta against Dippin' Dots. The, uh, the, the ice cream of the future, um, you know, you've seen it probably uh, if you've ever been to a baseball game. I think they have vendors pretty much at every ballpark. Uh, it's the little, like, marble-sized uh, ice creams that, uh, I don't know, they're, they're okay. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of them either, but he really hates them. Uh, he, people found multiple tweets from his personal Twitter account just railing against Dippin' Dots, claiming, going against their slogan, saying that they are not the ice cream of the future, posting an article when Dippin' Dots filed for bankruptcy in 2011, basically celebrating the fact that Dippin' Dots had to file for bankruptcy. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, everybody's kind of, now I think the big question is, Who's going to be the first one in a presser to ask uh, Press Secretary Spicer about his hatred for Dippin' Dots and get her to see what his reaction is? I, I think it would be uh, quite the soundbite, quite the exclusive if somebody wants to get it. You know, so, uh, yeah, Press Secretary doesn't like, uh, doesn't like his ice cream in, in, in small pebble form, apparently. Um, story number two, and we just keep on going with, 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 this, uh, with this administration. And lucky us, we get to talk about Donald Trump's hands. I, I, just, I just love talking about Donald Trump's hands. And the fact that there is nothing wrong with these hands. Believe me. Um, so it was uh, put out there on Twitter this week uh, by a couple of folks. And uh, the debate raged almost immediately over this. Whether or not the pictures of Donald Trump uh, saying farewell to former President Obama uh, outside the Capitol building... Um, were photoshopped to make Donald Trump's hands look bigger than they actually are. Um, several reputable photographers came out and said, yes, absolutely. Look at the, look at the original and the print side by side. Uh, it's clear that this has been photoshopped. Look at, how much, look at the size difference. It's unbelievable. Um, it was later discovered that what had happened was the, the Getty image photo that was originally used in the print process was actually warped. Apparently you could tell, and I, I don't, I know very little about 
photography, so I'm probably going to mix up these, mess up these words as I mess up my own words. Uh, <laughs> but essentially, what happened in the warp process, and you could tell from the helicopter, the helicopter was stretched as well, much more clearly than you could see that the hand was only kind of what looked to be subtly stretched to make it look bigger. So essentially, this was de debunked, disproven. Um, so mercifully, our first major, well, I guess I can't say it's the first major scandal the administration because we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, um, we avoided, we mercifully avoided handgate as I, as I saw online. And can we please, I'm going to take it aside here. Can we please, for the love of God, come up with something more clever than word gate for a scandal? We've been using it for 40 years. I know Watergate's the gold standard of scandal in American politics, but we don't have to use it every time. Not everything's on that level. Not everything deserves a gate. You know, maybe it only deserves, you know, an opening or an entryway. I, I don't know. I, 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 somebody come up with something better. I'm just tired of hearing thing gate. It's, it's overused and, and, and it's just lost its value. <laughs> one, more for, one more from the... Uh, from the White House, just because it's kind of unavoidable this week. Um, on Friday, the White House issued its annual um, statement to on Holocaust Remembrance Day, the anniversary of the Allies liberating the Auschwitz uh, concentration camp. Um, and it was a fine statement. It talked about, you know, the fact that we need to prevent the horrors of Nazism and, and whatnot. But what it never mentioned in a single time in the statement was the Jews. They didn't mention the fact that, you know, the Holocaust was a, you know, a systematic elimination of European Jewry. They did not mention Judaism. They did not mention anti-Semitism. Um, so the Anti-Defamation anti League came out and called it both puzzling and troubling. Um, others, uh, specifically the um, Republican Jewish Federation, came out and said that People were being too harsh and looking into it, uh, looking to score some political points by, uh, by using the Holocaust as a way to do that. Um, either way, I mean, just, it was, it's been a rough start for the, uh, for the Trump administration. We'll get more into that in our closing segment where we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some policy stuff that's, that, that I think we're all aware that's going on. I'll give you my two cents on that. Um, but we're going to get away from the White House now, mercifully, <laughs> and uh, we're going to go to Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so we're out in Chicago, and on Thursday in Chicago, a 10-year-old child, Richard Rodriguez, was waiting for his mom to take him to school. She started the car. It's a cold day, so she started warming up the car. Uh, carjackers enter the car. Two carjackers enter the car, not realizing that young Richard Rodriguez is in the back seat, and start driving away. Upon discovering Richard Rodriguez, they drive four blocks, they drop him off at school, they turn around, and they look at him, and they say, have a good day at school, and drive off with the car. Uh, so, I mean, I guess they were carjackers turned bus drivers, turned carjackers again. Um, the car has not been recovered, but, you know, uh, Richard, he gets a cool story to tell all of his classmates. He probably, you know, gives them some street cred, or, you know points in, I don't know how things work in schools now. I don't know how the cool kids work and how the not cool kids work. I mean, I wasn't 
clearly was not the cool kids in school, so I wouldn't understand it anyway. Uh, you got any insights on that, Carlos? Nah, I've never heard that happening before, but at, le- at least they were kind enough to bring him to school. I that's the case, it's very important. Yeah, it's true. It's true. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. I know a lot from experience. Yeah, you do. You definitely do. Um, our last story, but we go overseas, and by overseas, I don't really mean overseas because we're just going to Toronto. Um, I'm going to file this one under Science is Amazing. Um, a woman with cystic fibrosis had gotten the flu, was very ill, had bacteria forming in her lungs uh, to the point where she was suffering from respiratory failure. Uh, she showed up at a Toronto hospital with only hours to live, according to doctors, and the doctors sprung into action uh, to take um, corrective actions. Nothing seemed to be working. The bacteria became drug resistant. It looked very bleak. And then the doctors came up with one of the most incredible solutions I've ever heard of. A They performed a double lung transplant successfully. Uh, They took both of her lungs out to remove the bacteria. They put her on uh, artificial respirators and on blood pressure stabilizers, basically everything they could possibly do to keep her stable and avoid avoid losing her. And and it worked. Uh, they They had her on artificial for six days and she lived. Um, absolutely incredible. This 32-year-old woman from uh, from the Toronto area. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, every now and then I read things like that. I'm just like, man, medicine is amazing. It's a shame I have shaky hands uh, because I, I, you know, I, I think being in medicine would be pretty pretty neat, especially you know stuff like that. But you know, I don't think they're ever going to ever allow me to do surgery on anybody, uh, let alone myself on anything, because you know these. Uh, my hands are not steady. They tend to shake all the time. Um, it's a family thing. So, uh, yeah, uh, medicine's not in anybody in my family's uh, repertoire. Uh, so that brings us to the end of footnotes. Hope you enjoyed those. Um, as always, we will post those links to those stories so you can get the whole story rather than just the annotated versions that I provide. Uh, we'll post those to Facebook and Twitter. Um, so that brings us now, we transition into our Smart Guy Sit Down for the week. Our interviewee this week, hailing from Long Island, New York, now residing in Brooklyn, New York, um, still Weavens. And I guess my first question is because I'm not sure exactly uh, what the correct term is now because I'm not so musically inclined. Um, would you describe yourself as a music producer, recording artist, DJ? Um, what do you think? challenges for us there's 0% chance that we're going to be able to execute that yeah
but it's sort of a blank statement. You know, a producer could be the guy who's just behind the boards, or the producer could be the composer. So I guess, you know, it's sort of a uh, ambiguous term these days. And I just say I'm a recording artist, musician, um, live performer, dabbling in DJ, at, you know, as a DJ, which, you know, I don't always call myself a DJ uh, because I know DJing is a very purist uh, art form. And if I, what I do is kind of more live performance, sort of discredit people who really are good at being a DJ. They call myself one because I'm definitely not a good DJ. But live performer, recording artist. Sure. Yeah, that's sure, sure. Yeah, that's pretty summary there. Right, right. Cool. All right. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about um, about your style, because I mean, I, so last year was a big year for you. Your first kind of significant album release, uh, album's titled Amisana. It was released by Tokyo Dawn Records. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. So I'll, I'll I'll give you a plug there. You just gotta look for Still Weavens, and you'll you'll it'll come up. Uh, so you know, support support a starving artist here, guys. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your style and uh, and and who's who's kind of influenced your style because I mean your your album release was kind of a mix between uh, funk with a little bit of hip hop and electronic I, I, is what I kind of picked up on is there would you say that's about right? Yeah, uh, you know I think I think I definitely you know when I was kind of first learning how to do uh, you know kind of this production artistry thing. It was definitely more hip hop skewed and it kind of like dabbled more in, you know, jazz and R&B, kind of getting into that and then basically all tying it together with something that's both futuristic and retro to 80s sounds. Uh, so that's definitely what you hear a lot on the, the, the last record I put out. Um, so there's definitely a lot of influence as far as like Parliament, Funkadelic, uh, later George Clinton stuff, uh, you know, the, the band Zap, uh, a lot of that cameo. You know, a lot of that duty sound is there, mm-hmm. um, but lending itself a little bit to something new and futuristic as well. So, kind of a future and retro at the same time is kind of the, the aim, I guess, so to speak. And that, um, but yeah, you know, always, always, definitely, like, just really in tune to as well. Just like, you know, hip hop producers, like, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Jay Dilla and things like that have always been big for me. And then really, you know, like, uh, I, you know, I grew up on R&B, I grew up on classic rock, I grew up, you know, listening to Al Green and, and then Lizzie and those, those, you know, you'll hear bits and pieces of those mixed in with everything else, but, um, yeah, among other things. Sure, sure. So, I mean, I mean, you had a very musical upbringing, uh, obviously, um, Talk talk a little bit about that about that because I mean both both yourself and 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 your older sister were, were very actively very active in in music growing up as kids playing in band and things like that and how that kind of yeah. influenced you. Well, you know, I played trumpet, still do. Uh, I played it. That was really the first instrument I picked up on in, in grade school. And um, you know, I think the biggest thing that kind of influenced where I was. Now is that the public school I went to in, in Freeport, Long Island, um, for a good three years, like a, basically a three-year span, they had a, an electric music class, uh, where basically it was like this three-year pocket where the school budget decided they were going to offer an electronic music class, and then, you know, it only lasted for three years because then the school budget then voted it down. <laughs> um, but for that three you know, it's public school, and that's what happens, and, right, you know, I guess, you know, whatever, you know, we, we will get into, you know, Long Island school budget 
No, I don't think I don't think anybody wants a lecture on Nassau County politics today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you pick up your local copy of Newsday if you're in the New York, Long Island, tri-state area. If you really still care to, get to that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so for that three years pocket, I managed to go to a one year. I had to got the um, did electronic music class, and that really got me into you know working with. Um, computer production, working, just producing, recording, um, composing, uh, you, you synthesize sounds and things like that. And that really kind of just like built it uh, a hobby, which then kind of led to me going away to school for music production in college. Um, and I went to Studi Purchase, um, made a lot of great connections, a lot of great friends there. Um, and that really just kind of kept me going. So it kind of steamrolled off from that originally. Um, but, you know, then picked up the good, somewhere along the line, picked up guitar, did a little vocals here and there, mm-hmm. um, you know, just dabbled, dabbled, uh, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes experimenting is fig- is the best way to figure out what you, what, where, where your niche is, too, so definitely, definitely understand, yeah. uh, understand yeah, that. Yeah, I think, uh, I, it's funny, I think uh, I had an interview last year, and somebody was asking me, like, if I consider myself, like, a, you know, a trained great musician, I, I consider myself a doodler, that's what I kind of like <laughs> people as, like how I practice, and like I'm not like great at sitting down and practicing these days, especially, you know, just going, but you know, what I do is I doodle a lot, and that's kind of how my composing style is, so I like sit and I literally just make doodles, that's what I call them, just like little three second clips and things here and there, and then that's kind of built, that's, you know, kind of the basis of my composing uh, musical style at this point in my right, right. attention span. Cool, cool. So, I mean, you mentioned some artists earlier. You mentioned Al Green. You mentioned Thin Lizzy. You mentioned uh, George Clinton, um, amongst others. I know that another one that was a big impact on, on you um, was the late Prince. Uh, so oh, talk, yeah. talk, talk, talk a little bit about um, how, how you've kind of incorporated that into some of your own work. Yeah, I mean, you know, Prince is, uh, Prince is a really interesting artist. I think if you just follow him from start to finish, um, really like a musician musician uh, in the sense that, like, you know, I think one of the things I learned is, like, you get, you get like, there's, like, a, a scale. On one end of the scale, you got, like, you have, like, pop artists that write for the general public, and then you have, on the other end, you have people that are musicians, and they're really snobby, and they write music solely for, like, other musicians and they're kind of and they're you know extremely uh, brainy as you might call it and they, they kind of just do that and then Prince obviously sits somewhere very firm in the middle of those two where it's something that's extremely advanced musical um, but also just very enjoyable on a very basic level I mean you know 1999 is like the perfect record of just looking at like the drums of that and it's like it's they're, they're catchy tunes and then they're also like very complicated on just like a, a jet, like the, the, the rhythms of it are just incredible just like I mean you could break that down in a in a jazz theory class with the you know just up there with a, any any Coltrane or, or, or Miles Davis record I'd say wow those are uh, th- those are big names to throw around <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know only only the biggest <laughs> right <laughs> alright so so I guess um so 2016 obviously was a big year. You released Amisana. Um, you 
played some shows. I know you played one recently up in Brooklyn. Um, I know that that probably was good. Um, uh, so what does two... <laughs> I, I, I can only say because I wasn't there. <laughs> I mean, you know, the spark notes uh, indicate that they were, they were pretty good. I mean, you know, <laughs> early, earlier dudes have come in and said, said mixed things, so we'll see, you know. All right. So, um, what does so what does twenty seventeen have in store? Are you working on Are you working on a new album? Or are you just planning on touring? Are you more collaborating with others right now? Oh, it's it's kind of a three of those. I mean, it's, it's kind of a funny time to be interviewed, but it's a fun time. You know, it's that period of when you're a musician and you're kind of in between sounds and you're in between. Um, you know, what you're kind of going for. And you're in this writing stage. And that's where I'm at right now. It's, you know, it's on the one level. It's, boring to talk about because it's not really like oh I got this show coming up on this day or this album coming out on this date but you know for a musician for for somebody that's just creating it's kind of a fun time to be at you know you just kind of sit around and you know you kind of decide what you want to say and, mm-hmm. and how you want to do it and uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now but I'm doing a little bit of gigging here and there so you know expect to hear something soon through my you know online I'll, I'll post some stuff about some shows I got coming up in the next few weeks as soon as I get something official I'll just get a little Absolutely, um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, popularity and people liking things is a part is, is a part of uh, of music as an art form nowadays. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I think that I think that's been a part of it for a while. I don't know how yeah. far back that goes. You know, maybe since the dawn of time, but I, I'd have to check <laughs> that. But, uh, yeah. Um, so I guess. Um, other artists that maybe you collaborate with that that people can find and look out for and look for things from in 2017. I mean, I know you on your album you collaborated with several people, very talented. Um, you know, I, we're actually going to be playing a piece here uh, in a little bit that we'll talk about. Um, so, anybody that that stands out to you that people should be looking out for in 2017? Yeah, I would say probably the people that are closest to me uh, in a sense that one of them is um, you know the first track is. Is actually on the album is with uh, this group Quit Do It All. Uh, one half of that group is a uh, uh, rapper singer C, who is going to be putting out something in a couple uh, pretty soon. I don't I don't know when the exact date is, but he's putting out a record soon. Um, and I produced the track on that. You're, uh, I'm really excited about. But uh, that's that's definitely one of them. Uh, I probably would be seeing something with C. So look out for that. It's just C, just spelled C E. Um, but, uh, and always probably get that group quits of it all as we go way back. Uh, yeah, and then as far as the, you know, I, I, I will say that I'm probably going to be um, working again with some of the people on that record soon. Uh, I definitely, I did some co-producing, co-mixing with uh, Don Will, who's a uh, talented MC on the record. Uh, Don Will's one half of the group, Tanya Morgan. So be on the lookout for, uh, you know, his, his uh, last solo uh, EP, co-mixed um, and probably expect to see something from from him soon I might be working on that soon and uh, yeah uh, you know I'm also uh, you know my, my Gmail is, is open and ready for, for people and you know hit me up on the Twitter if you want to collab I'm definitely open to it I have a growing list so that's, that's something collaboration is going to be a big part of this year I hopefully knock on wood Right, and uh, and you can and you can find you can find still on on Facebook his Facebook page is still Weavens 
Um, you can find him on Twitter. Is that is that just at Still Evans? Yep, at Still Evans. Uh, you can even just go to stillevens.com. It'll pretty much hyperlink you to everything else. There you go. There you go. So let's talk really quickly about this track. We're going to be playing a track off of Amisana. The title is Everlasting Love. It's Eric Rico featuring Still Evans. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the kind of the idea behind this song and, and kind of how, how it all came together. Um, yeah, it was like, a, I think it was originally like a track that I wrote like a couple years ago and then like rewrote it. Um, and it was sort of like a throw-in track at the last minute because the record label wanted a, an extra track or two. So I kind of like touched it together in a little bit. And then Eric <laughs> Rico, uh, who is a, a great, great uh, singer, pr- producer, composer, just amazing all-around talent. I've been a huge fan for years and I kind of really wanted to work with him on this project. Um, and he basically like got it done in like a couple days. It was really quick. And uh, I was like, sometimes you overthink something and sometimes you just like, you just cough up something at the last minute and it just works out really well and that's the case with this. Yeah, no, you know? absolutely. I mean, this, I think I think uh, this might be my favorite track on the album, actually. So, uh, <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was, so I was happy when we were talking and I was saying, oh, good, which, which, which track should I play off the album? And you suggested this one. I'm like, oh, good, good. That's the one I like the most. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, well, yeah. yep. So, as mentioned, you can find, like, follow uh, Still Weavens on Facebook and Twitter, stillweavens.com. And without any further ado, this is Eric Rico featuring Still Weavens' Everlasting Love. Enjoy. We'll be right back with our closing segment on The Smartest Guy I Know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, 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 oh,
over the set We got each other now La 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 Say one more time We got each other baby back again that was everlasting love eric rico featuring still weavens thanks again to still for joining us i think that was a pretty good interview little uh little bit of a different flavor than we've had on the on, on the smart guy cast so far so i definitely like to mix it up and again as always if you have anything that you want to hear about anybody that you want to hear from you can always let us know you can tell us on facebook you can tweet at us you can uh shoot us an email and you can let us know um, so we're going to transition into our closing segment, our closing thoughts for this week. Uh, lots happened this week um, as far as the beginnings of the Trump administration. And I know um, I've said it in almost every episode to this point that this is not a political podcast and I do not desi- I do not desire to make it one. I am not the kind of person that likes to share my opinions. I don't like sharing my views very often. But there are some times in life where you realize that you just can't avoid it any longer and... You've got to say something. Um, so initially, I was going to start out by just talking about, um, because I have the privilege of being both a, biz- a business major and an economics major, about basic economics and the effects of a tariff on the United States with respect to Mexico. Uh, the long story short on that is uh, consumers lose. Tariffs cause prices to go up because... Domestic companies don't have to compete on price. Uh, I won't go into a full economics lesson because I'll probably put half the audience to sleep. You know, the other half. Thanks, Carlos. Um, So that kind of got overshadowed by this, uh, what's been called the Muslim ban. And I don't, I mean, look, I don't know 
all the details. I don't think that there's a whole lot of detail to it. I think it was just an executive order that Trump blindly signed because somebody told him to, because that seems to be what he's been doing this week. But if this is the vision that the Trump administration has to, um, quote unquote, make America great again, then I think they are incredibly out of touch with what America is and what it has traditionally stood for. Uh, this is not a country that was founded upon non-inclusion. Uh, it was not set up to openly discriminate against others. You know, we are supposed to be the shining beacon of freedom for the rest of the world to see. And if the shining beacon all of a sudden decides to turn its back on the world, um, yeah, that's a... Uh, it's it's not a good thing. Carlos, you look like you want to say something here. Now, as your social media director, I need to state that it is technically not a Muslim ban. But before we get labeled fake news... Right, we don't want to get is just a, it, is just a, mm -hmm. it is just a ban from seven Muslim-majority countries. Yeah, that's true. This is, this is true. Um, you know, I, I, the, the, the tough thing for me about it all, because of uh, my, you know, my, my day job, uh, because this doesn't pay very well. Um, my day job is working and supporting a, an agency within the Department of Homeland Security. Homeland Security has consistently said over the last two years that the greatest threat to American security and safety is not foreign terrorism, but homegrown violent extremism already in the US. So it's clamping down on, on immigration, uh, doesn't solve that problem. You're not addressing what the department, which is supposed to be your top advisors as far as national security goes, um, have told you is, is, is where the risks are. Um, so it's, to me, a, it's, not only, it's not only flies in the face of, of uh, you know, American core principles, but it also flies in the face of logic uh, to make this your primary push rather than trying to determine how to better combat uh, homegrown issues because, um, I mean, realistically, outside of 9-11, which obviously was a major event, had a major impact on a lot of our lives, I mean, uh, the, the agency that I work at might not exist without that. Uh, but at the same time, um, there have been no incidents of foreign terrorist acts within the United States in 15 years. Any act that has been deemed a terrorist act has been perpetrated by somebody that was already on U.S. soil. So I don't get the point of this thing. It bothers me to no end. It makes me wonder what's next. It makes me concerned as to what's next. Um, and, you know, I don't think this is going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you have one more thing to add, Carlos? You look like you're thinking. <clears throat> I do have thoughts on this. I will not get into all of that right now. That's... <laughs> As we mentioned, this is not a political podcast. Yeah, and there are plenty of good ones out there that could uh, probably say say what I'm saying in a much more articulate and uh, intelligent way. Um, you know, as we mentioned last week, yet the title's not a self-reference. So, you know, I'm just trying to uh, trying to get smarter myself in a lot of in a lot of cases. Um, so I think that's a good uh, point with which to close on. Um, as always. You can like and share our page on Facebook with your friends and family, significant others, pets, you know, 
who, whoever's got a Facebook account these days. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. That handle's at SmartGuyIKnow. Uh, iTunes, subscribe, please. I got, I've been seeing some good listener, uh, listener counts the last couple of weeks, so definitely appreciate the support uh, from everybody out there and whoever you've shared it with. We, uh, we appreciate you, and we're happy to, that you've joined us. We hope that you stay with us. Um, as mentioned, we, uh, next week, special event, video cast, Carlos Eats. Uh, when we get more info on that, we will post that to Facebook or to Twitter. Um, and then we'll have our Super Bowl preview. And then we've got the Valentine's Day episode. Again, user submissions are welcome for Valentine's Day. Talk about dating experiences. Maybe, you know, how I met your mother or father in whatever cases. Not to quote the TV show title from CBS. Um, and then we'll be taking the show on the road over President's Day weekend for Miami. So it's uh, going to be a busy next few weeks here uh, on the Smart Guy cast. Um, again, thank you to my guest this week, Still Weavens. Stillweavens.com, at Stillweavens. You can find him on Facebook, too. That's Stillweavens Music. Uh, good stuff there. We appreciate him coming on, and we look forward to hearing from him again uh, or maybe some of, his, uh, some of his collaborators real soon. Um, as always, thanks for joining us. That does it for us this week, and we'll see you again next week on The Smartest Guy I Know.